Today's guest on the podcast is Claire Broad. She's the author of the new book, What the Dead Are Dying to Teach Us. She's known as the honest medium. She gave her first spirit communication to a relative at the age of four. Yes, we're talking afterlife today on the same 24 hours. I found this interview absolutely fascinating. I could have talked to Claire for a million years. And as someone who has felt some interesting energy currents in my life, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. If you are a 100% skeptical of this kind of thing, is uh, a way I could put it, I would just encourage you to listen and see if there's anything that resonates or if there's any sort of comfort that you think you could gain from listening to Claire's story. Her book, again, What the Dead Are Dying to Teach Us, is available on September 10th. I hope you all enjoy this episode as much as I did with Claire Broad. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today we have an exciting guest. Claire Broad is here. Hi, Claire. Hi, thank you. Hi to your listeners too, Meredith. Oh, thanks so much for taking the time. This is so exciting, you guys. I'm super excited. So, Claire, let's jump right into who you are and what you, well, those are two different questions. Who you are is one question and what you do is another because <laughs> we are not what we do, right? No, that's true. And that's the essence probably of everything I'm trying to teach people, funny oh, enough, right in the first two minutes is that we, we aren't go. what, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're not what we do. We're not even who we think we are, if that makes sense at the, the at the base level. So um, it's more about who, what we are being, which is what I take from what you're saying there. Yeah. And, um, and what we are being actually isn't physical beings, it's spiritual beings. So my message encapsulated is that, isn't that handy in the first few minutes? Yeah. Who I am, yeah. who, who I am, um, if I give you a little bit of a background, I'm a very ordinary person. Um, from a from what I would say is a run of the mill family, um, growing up in a, a working class family, and, and now being married myself with children, and my um, career before having kids was in um, advertising, and I actually worked at Disney for seven years um, at senior levels. So I've got a marketing, media, and entertainment background. Um, but all along that very ordinary conventional life has been running, I suppose, extraordinary experiences, except that I believe that many of us have those experiences and that they're part of human experience. Mm. So as I try to understand those extraordinary experiences of a psychic nature, um, I fell into the path of being trained as a medium. So what I do is I try to teach people that there is much more to this reality than we appreciate, that there is actually science available to give us 
trust in what I'm saying and and I just share my truth I share the experiences that I've had and I help people on a daily basis who want to know more about this is there an afterlife is you know what is what is consciousness does it go on is there something afterwards I try to give them a few answers not that anyone's got all the answers and I don't profess to but I can share my experiences give them an experience and then they go away and make of it what they will and form their own ideas. Okay. Okay. So before we get into this, let's go ahead and dispel some myths right away. So people won't just say, Oh, this is whatever and not listen. So what Mm -hmm. are some of the myths that you con constantly encounter and, and people like for whatever reason, you know, because people get mad, right? They get angry, they get (laughs) passionate and they have their opinions. So what are some of the myths that you want to go ahead and dispel right at the beginning so we can have a different conversation? (laughs) Sure. Well, I think the number one myth is that all mediums are fraudulent. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, it's not true. I'm not saying there aren't people who are opportunistic out there in the world, uh, but there is now too much science done with mediums proving that not all mediums are fraudulent. So I have worked very closely with a scientist called Dr. Julie Byshaw, um, who collaborated on a book I wrote previously, um, and her stringent scientific testing of mediumship is the gold standard, if you like. Um, there are many other studies, but no one's been able to actually pick apart her processes. She is uh, from a pharmacological background. She knows the scientific process and um, she devised a uh, experiment that would be triple blind testing for anyone who doesn't understand what that means. It means it takes out the biases of human mind to ensure that the experimentation isn't biased and um, and that, that everybody is kind of blind to the process so there can't be any sort of fraudulence there. Um, and her statistics were phenomenal with the mediums that she worked with outstripping chance massively so she has been putting her neck on the line saying that um, she cannot prove scientifically the afterlife she can absolutely prove scientifically that not all mediums are fraudulent so I want to get that out there because there is this mis common uh, you know I think a cultural narrative that we've been given which is that you know Mediums are opportunistic, they're preying on the vulnerable, they're taking money and making a career out of people's sadness and all of this. The truth couldn't be further from that um, truth. I suppose that's not a truth to me, but, you know, idea. And so I want to put that out there, first of all, because not a lot of people understand that. Now, the problem we have, obviously, is the industry is not regulated, so... That's where, obviously, we need to be savvy about things and keep our, you know, uh, mind open to the fact that there are always some people that perhaps aren't that great at what they do or are opportunistic. Uh, But in the main, most people that I've come across with working this field are doing it for the right intentions. And would that, would you say like the right intentions when, when you come into almost any profession or way of life, it's almost as if you couldn't turn it away is was that your experience that it was so obvious to you that you had this I mean do you call it a gift 
I don't call it a gift. Okay. I, I, I don't like that term because it okay. implies that I'm special in some way and I don't believe I am. Okay. If I if I start at the beginning and tell you why yeah. I don't believe, uh, because when I basically when I was four years old, I was standing in a cemetery um, with my mum and my grandmother, and we were tidying up my granddad's plot. He had been deceased for about a year, and um, and they were just in their thoughts. And I would be I was four, so I was very bored, mm-hmm. um, and I noticed there was a tap. Uh, over to one side with the vase and there were stones underneath there and I I went over there to play with the water and the stones and just amuse myself basically Um, now whilst I was doing that and in that kind of childlike distracted you know completely almost like zen state of mind there's no thoughts going on I'm just in my play um, I felt my granddad come around me and I just knew it was him I could feel the love, his personality, just the essence of him wrap itself around me. I heard him talking, if you like, to my mind. And he was, there was an impressing urgency. And he was giving me a message saying, Claire, tell Nanny, Granddad says I love you, I've. Now, at four, I had no concept of death, dying, and no maturity of emotions to even care that my nan might want that message or need it. And so I resisted. And I was sort of saying in my mind, no, I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it came even stronger uh, to the point where I just I got frustrated, stood up and, and shouted across, nanny, granddad says, I love you, I've. Now, oh what was, How was I that know, received? Well, I can still remember their their faces. It's funny to this day because they, I can remember where they were standing. They weren't too far away from a gate. I can remember my mum and my nan just looking at each other and looking back at me, up truly gobsmacked. Yeah. And the reason for this was, and I wouldn't find out le- until later, apart from the fact that you know, hey, what four year old says that? Um, you know, I found out later that my. Um, my nan didn't like the name of Ivy. She thought it reminded her of Poison Ivy. So she asked everybody to call her Connie, which was her middle name. My parents called her mum and I called her nanny. So I, I didn't hear the word Ivy being said. But what I didn't appreciate was that my granddad called her Ive. It was so poignant to her, she didn't question it. Mm. She just knew. Now, um, I would later find out that she'd had her own experiences and therefore she was more uh, open to the idea. She'd seen spirit beings herself. Um, but as I've gone on, that I've learned that that is what's known, what I had that day is what's known as a spontaneous after-death communication. And actually, there are many, many people Science has done a lot of research in this in the field of parapsychology who have these experiences. It is part of the human experience. So I don't believe I'm gifted or special. Mm, I see. I just believe that I had an experience that opened my eyes eyes to there being something else. And then as as it started to show itself more in my teenagers, I I wanted to understand what is this that's going on? What have we misunderstood? And so I suppose the difference between me and most people is I was 
so interested in the mind and it piqued my attention as to try and understand this that I threw myself into trying to learn what is mediumship what's after death communication you know my story I do almost feel like my story um was meant to be I it's like a calling it's, it's a passion I don't think I could have ignored it if I tried I have had a very conventional life and yet there it is running alongside that so um yeah I mean so- so what kind of experiences did you have? Like you said, your teenage years, it really intensified. So what what kind of experiences did you have then? So it sounds totally crazy. It has always sounded totally crazy to me and took me years to own it. But I write in, in the book that I've written about all of this that um, I, I started to have an experience where I felt I wasn't on my own in my bedroom. There was... Um, uh, this is going to sound nuts, but there was this distinct smell that we couldn't put our fingers on. That's how it began. And the smell would come and just go. It didn't linger like most smells did. And it wasn't like anything we could put our finger on. So my mum and I, my family, we turned the house upside down. First of all, we assumed it was like old cooking ingredients. She thought I'd left my uh, my cookery from school in a bag somewhere. We had um, all the furniture out we thought maybe something had, had died in there I mean literally we had everything out because it was a very musty musky kind of smell something that we just couldn't explain we even blamed it on the neighbors we thought they had cooking coming in <laughs> I mean it, you know we didn't think we didn't think spirits okay but I just felt there was something there a presence then as I started to get older, the story unfolds, but other people were having the experience of this smell. I was starting to realize this isn't just me. It other was in pe- your house, though? It was in, the, in my bedroom at first, but then it started to travel. So I'd be out and about, there would be a smell. You know, it would just appear. My friends started to notice it. I mean, it got really embarrassing. Anyway, I... I started to see, as as time goes on, because this, t- this took a while to unfold, I then started to see a figure in my bedroom. So I would wake up in the night and see this male standing at the end of my room, which was absolutely frightening the life out of me. I was going to ask you, you seem kind of cool about it, but yeah. You well, I terrified. am now. I was terrified. Yeah, terrified. I spent many nights running into my mum's bedroom, oh my God. you know, just trying to you know, get some peace of mind. Um And I write about in the book how, you know, I know that psychologists often believe this is to do with the fact that as we wake up, we're in a hypnagogic and hypnopompic state, so we hallucinate. But, you know, I was awake looking at this thing many a time. Um, I could have put it down to that even, perhaps. I could have just put it down to, you know, teenage body, I don't know, except for the fact (laughs) that um, what happened then was really strange. As I grew older, um, I went to see a medium because my friend asked me to go. She, I, I was working by this point as a teenager working, and she, my friend said to me she'd booked an appointment with a medium and would I please go with her because she was frightened, and I went along because I was interested. And I'd had these experiences, and I guess I was open to exploring that, and I wanted some answers. Anyway, I said nothing to this lady um, her name is Sheila Thomas, and I write about her too. I'd, I'd mentioned nothing, and she told me my, my granddad's name. She told me my granddad had been around me my whole life. She told me that I'd seen him and passed on messages from him. And then she told me that there was a male standing in my bedroom that I was seeing at night who was bringing a smell that was so distinctive 
that I couldn't understand what that smell was and that the smell was deliberate to get my attention so that we would start to get to know each other because he'd come to work with me. And she described him perfectly. She said he was a Native American and that... um, and that I would begin to get to know him and that if I wanted some help understanding this, she would help teach me. Oh now, I know. So that got my attention <laughs> because I knew this was something very secret. I, you know, it's not the kind of thing we were shouting about. There wasn't such thing as social media and Facebook then either. So she couldn't have researched me. Um, but that even then got validated again because because I'd had this positive experience with her uh, a bit later on, I went to see a famous medium who was doing the rounds as as they sometimes do in theatre. I went and bought his book. He signed the book and he looked straight at me and said, do you know you have a Native American guide with Stop. you? No, serious. He oh. named him and told me, "You, what are you, and his question stuck with me forever. What are you going to do about it? And then I realised there's something I need to do with this. And, and that's what led me down this path <laughs> most uncom- uh, unconventional path even though I think I'm probably very conventional <laughs> oh my gosh okay so I have so many questions about that number one what did you do with it number two did you ask him to bring a better smell <laughs> <laughs> yes basically what happened was um I was told by Sheila Thomas the lady who'd said it first of all that now that I had acknowledged it the smell would go it was just to get okay. my attention. So that stopped um, instantly. It was, you know, bizarre. This, again, is some of the proof. Uh, but um, I, was, I was 20, 21 by this point, by the time I'd had the second message. So what I did about it was I went back to Sheila Thomas and said, I'm ready now. I'm ready to learn. What, what can you teach me? And so I joined her. She, she run mediums sit in what's known as a circle, um, it's a, a group of people literally just coming together to learn how to expand their awareness, sit in meditation, just become more sensitive um, to the environment around us. We've, we're all, we've all know what gut intuition is. We've, you know, we've all experienced flashes of insight and psychic ability. And, and psychic ability has been scientifically proven, which is really what my book is all about. I share all the science from the CIA from, you know, from various um, universities in America that have studied it and within the UK with the, the Society for Psychical Research. There was so much out there now that it's, it's getting to a tipping point and nobody, unless you're like me having these experiences and looking into it, no one's aware. No one is aware of this. So it's, we're kind of, I'm trying to help people catch up to give some hope and comfort, but also to help us understand there's so much more to reality than we know. Yeah. Well, I would definitely want to talk about your new book that's coming out, What the Dead Are Dying to Teach Us. Um, but first, you've got to finish with, with your friend. What happened with him? <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with your little traveling buddy who hung exactly. out for how many years? Okay, so so he named, I mean, this is where I sort of feel myself cringing inside and thinking, no, Claire, you own your truth, you know? Own it. I got to hear this. Because, <laughs> yes. look, we just moved to Massachusetts a little while ago, and I'll be sitting there working, and I will smell something that I'm like, what is that? And I'll get up, and I'll sniff. <laughs> yeah. And I'll sniff, and I'm like, this, and it, there's nothing. 
there's nothing that could smell. And so this is freaking me out because I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, who is here? Because it's a new house. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, not to freak you out. It could be something, obviously, you've got to rule out all the natural I know, courses. I know. But, you know, uh, it's called Claire Scents. The scent, you know, scent centers mm-hmm. in perfume. It's one of the easiest ways for 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 disembodied, disincarnate, whatever you want to use it, um, beings to get your attention. I don't know how it works. It's something to do with obviously them impressing on our minds, but through our senses, the smell seems to be able to just be easily manifested. So a lot of people, when they've had a passing of a loved one, will smell the cigarette smoke that they always smell of, or a particular perfume or or soap that is you know individual to that person it's very common very common and so that's why I was getting that first okay. so what happened to to my spirit guide told me his name was White Feather and um and so I wasn't sure whether this was all for real I've got to be honest so I even though I'd had all that I was still questioning mm-hmm. and as I learned to sit in meditation I was beginning to see him in my mind's eye and becoming just more aware of who he was and why he was with me, giving me the understanding he'd been there since birth, that him and I had, had agreed that we would be on this pathway and that he'd come to sort of teach me and to teach others through me about a greater reality. Um, so wait, did you, you said you agreed you would be on the path like when you were a spirit, like a, as a baby? You oh yeah, have... I, I almost. Oh. My understanding is like before I came into this world, mm-hmm. we had this agreement okay. that this would be what I would do. It makes no okay. sense. I'm just telling you how it what yeah, what yeah, yeah, has yeah. been given to me. I still question it all. I'm highly analytical. Um, so, but what happened was I put it to the test as I started to see him in my meditations. Um, I and then obviously, and I had seen him at the end of my bed as well. I then had an idea of what he looked like. And um, I basically asked him in my mind, if you're real and I need to know you're real and if this is true and I'm supposed to be doing this work, I need you to prove it to me. So I went to a mind-body-soul exhibition and I asked White Feather in my mind if he would would uh, go to a psychic artist and draw draw me, a, you know, give the psychic artist an impression of himself so I could have a picture of him. Um and I put my name down on a piece of paper because the psychic artist wasn't there. You just put your name down against a time. And then the psychic artist was working in the back somewhere, not seeing any clients or anything, and then coming out with the artwork at that time to unveil, uh, reveal it, to unveil it. And I was sat down in front of this picture. It got unveiled in front of me, and there there was his face. So... So wow. what? So white feather. So you now literally to, put your name down on a piece of paper. That was all the information. That's all. I, that's all I did. Yeah. Okay. No, no information. Nothing. Wow. So, um, so, so white feather to me is a real entity. I believe he shows himself in this way because it was a, a an incarnation that he had, um, that he had been in earth as native american but obviously in spirit now he's not in that you know doesn't need to take that form but that's how he shows himself so that i recognize him and he's given me that label of a name so i know who he is it denotes peace feathers are hugely spiritual people see them as signs you know there's depth to even the name as it always is with spirit teachers there's always layers and depth to the you know to the information they give and so he now has been 
the 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 honestly the the proof has been phenomenal for me because he's been giving messages not only directly to myself but to other mediums throughout the years now saying I've I'd come to write um so that medium after medium after medium who you know would just say who didn't know me at all would just start saying I've got a Native American guide here he's telling me that you've come to write that there is information (laughs) that you're supposed to be bringing through and um and that message repeated for 20 years until so is he's still with you? So he's still with me, yes. So I Do you like... ever want to be like, look, White Feather? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I've thrown my toys out the pram several times. I've, I have, I have said, you know, why am I doing this? Uh, this, you know, I just want a normal life. I, you know, I don't, I don't want the. No one wants to put themselves out there for ridicule and scrutiny and, right. and you know, I mean, I'm no fool. Um, but you know the love and the wisdom and the and the peace of mind it's given me, the motivation to be able to live my life to the fullest because I'm completely free of fear of death. I recognise the therapeutic benefit that I have received in having this insight given to me and the power that it could have for other people who are suffering. So I'm kind of putting myself out the way now and just owning it for all those who need this message there'll be people that don't need it people that just can't take it it's just too big a pill to swallow but and that's fine that's fine but there you know there'll be someone out there who needs this message who's hearing this who it will help them get through some dark days and that's why I'm doing it absolutely Uh, somebody somewhere is always too big of a pill to swallow so I mean (laughs) you know what I mean like people are not going to be able to take yeah. No, I can understand it. It's sure. been a big pill for me to take, which is why all the way through what the dead is dying to teach us in the book there, I'm sharing all the research. I don't just share my true stories. I'm sharing, look, I've looked into this myself. I've questioned it myself. I've questioned my own sanity. You know, this is for real. Now, if it's for real, how do we understand it? We might draw different conclusions. That's fine. But let's question. Let's not just accept the official line because there's something missing. Right. It, and it's really interesting because even top scientists like um, Sir Roger Penrose, who came up with the black hole theory with Stephen Hawkins, he's, he uh, has you know, uh, gone on record as saying, until we scientifically understand what consciousness is, we cannot possibly think that we have come up with a theory that explains everything in the universe, because consciousness is the universe it's we are conscious and we are the universe experiencing itself right now there's not one single sentence that can be strung together scientifically that can explain what consciousness is and so there's a whole aspect of our understanding of life and the universe missing um you know so i'm 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 just basically trying to expand people's minds because people have these experiences and i am not alone Right. I mean, that's the main thing that you're bringing awareness to, because yes, you're a trained medium and you've had your spiritual guide, but you say that many, many people are having these um, after after death communications. And so what are some of the the stories that you've encountered or, or just kind of talk about, you know, maybe outside of your experiences, what you've encountered, you know, with others? 
People contact me all the time. They don't have anywhere to go. So I have the great privilege of hearing many stories um, right the way through from palliative care where people are, where their loved ones are dying. So I hear, and obviously I have clients coming in telling me all the time, you know, that their loved ones as they were dying, they started to see people that they knew who had died and they started to talk to them. So even before they died, yeah. yeah, so before they died, they would be to saying, you know, for instance, for example, my mum's here, can you see mum? She's over there in the corner. Or, or my wife's here to nurses, my wife's here, she's come to collect me. It's okay now, I'm fine now. You know, I, I hear this story, these that level of story a lot. Um, palliative care nurses um, have worked with me sharing their stories. And also I share in the book, the research of a lady called Dr. Penny Sartori, who has studied this phenomena in she's a she's a doctor in a in a hospital but she works with dying patients and she was hearing and seeing that the nurses around her recognized when someone was about to die because they they would say the patient is now talking to deceased relatives has become at peace it we're moments away so you know this is something that has been researched thoroughly this happens mm. um then what happens is sometimes as a person dies, people have told me that they have a shared experience of their loved one dying. So they might suddenly see that person leaving their body, the loved one leaving the body. I've had people tell me they see mists forming in the room. They're completely confused. What, you know, what, what was the mist forming around us? Or they became aware of sensing others. And then most commonly what happens is in the days and weeks and months after a loved one has actually passed, then the stories begin. You know, electrical things coming on with the, with a poignant song, a radio coming on at the right moment, a song that's important, you know, signs. You know, fe- it sounds really trite, but, you know, feathers appearing where they shouldn't do or coins dropping out of nowhere or hearing a voice call their name, that the, you know, the loved one calling their name. I don't know why, but bells seem very common. So people hear bells in the middle of the night or, you know, feel uh, 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 breezes on them, coolness, uh, just a sense of peace. A lot of people say to me they just were were sobbing their heart out with grief and suddenly this peace enveloped them. I mean, it it comes in many, many, many forms. But the, the most important thing is it is so unusual an experience that people stop and pay attention. As we were saying, they may smell smoke. There's no, you know, it's there one minute and gone the next. And lots of people see their deceased loved ones. They either appear to them or they have what's known as uh, what we what I call a, a night vision rather than a dream. They, have, they see them in their sleep and the, the dream is so clear and so vivid and so emotional and real that they they remember it for years and years and years and years it stays with them they and the dreams by the way follow a common thread so it's always that person's looking younger they look glowing they look well they're saying i'm i'm fine now i'm well don't worry about me there's this it's amazing how it doesn't matter who you speak to that there's a common thread that what as to what happens in those dream states wow so there are many ways, basically, but but it's very, very common and people don't talk about it. Mm. That's a common theme in life. Absolutely. People aren't talking about anything, except well, uh, dumb things on social media. <laughs> 
and we definitely don't talk about death you know death is a failure you know it's something we don't want to face because because most of us are petrified that is going to be it um and yet actually when you delve into the research from this is something else i go into in the book from past life memories in in children the the research is solid in that i mean i don't know how anyone can look at that and start to question there isn't actually something going on there and the same obviously with the fact that since we've invented defibrillators we are bringing people back now um you know near-death experience data is huge you know and then we've got the mediumship research and we got we got the psychic ability we should you know when you start to put this all together for me um it goes sort of beyond the balance of probability anymore if you were in a court of law it's beyond the balance of probability so what what are the dead trying to teach us like what if they're with the afterlife what is going on i mean i know you don't know but what is the pattern that they're hanging around for (laughs) they're kind (laughs) of then are they all here you know i have so many questions oh no that's great no well they're not hanging around that's for sure one if one thing i can say it see it if reincarnation is real okay we're in the afterlife right now yeah 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 yeah. but for us that life is just a continuum so that's the way i look at it we literally just pass from one form into another we transform from one state of being into another you know, you hear it a lot, but it's true. Everything in this universe is energy, everything. And when I wrote uh, my previous book, Answers from Heaven, physicists reached out to me, telling me, you know, even the material world around you that seems fully formed and solid is all smoke and mirrors. At the atomic level, it's not even there. It's just potential and that we know that the universe, this is a real head spinner, but, you know, physicists were telling me we know the universe is holographic. There are multidimensional realities. And we've been reading your book because we're trying to understand your take on things, not because we, they didn't need to know about mediumship. They're just trying to understand their own science. So, right. um, so when you start to look at reality differently, you can understand that I think it's just literally a passing from one place to another or one one level of awareness to another level of awareness literally as easy as that so when i so so when i call them spirit beings because i don't know what to call them non-physical beings you know um when i feel and sense them they're still living they're still very much you know getting on with their own um lives i know it sounds crazy but i mean that's how i experience it they don't just suddenly lose their personality they're they're much more um I suppose, educated. They've got a wider perspective now, but they don't lose their sense of self straight away. And they're coming back to uh, repeatedly, in the book, I, I encapsulate it in seven lessons because obviously I've learned a whole load. Yeah. But um, but really, as I've structured the book in a way to, to say these are the seven key, really important things. First of all, you are not just a physical being. You're a spiritual being having a physical experience. And they want us to know that so that we can make the most out of life, that we're not living, um, you know, uh, depressed or stuck in grief or, you know, that life is a precious thing and we can't understand the awesomeness of it. So let's. So we're basically a spiritual being to someone else's life. Absolutely. It's yeah. just frequency, just different levels right, of energy. Yeah. And they also let us know that death is an illusion. 
because the material world is an illusion and that we don't understand what consciousness is. So they're trying to say, you know, you don't need to fear death. You, you need to understand that there's more. I don't want, you know, and our loved ones love us. They want us to have this knowledge that they have so that we don't feel so separated from them. It, it just sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? But, you know, I mean, this is what I'm given. Yeah. They want us to know that we're not alone, that, you know, that they're around and that there are beings, teachers who are helping us best they can also. Most importantly, I think, um, from the mediumship aspect, there's a lot of uh, worry and concern with a lot of people, especially with religious backgrounds. But, you know, it, you know, is, is this something I shouldn't be doing? Um, should I be fearing this? Is this tricks of spirits? You know, can I trust in this? All of the all of the fear bubbles up then, you know, as you start to people worry about opening a doorway between themselves and the spirit world. And what spirit show me is you've got it all wrong. You are spirit. You're looking at yourself in the wrong way. <laughs> you know, you get. You, you've got to look at yourself in a different light. There's nothing to fear here because you are it already. Um, they emphasize that love never dies. It's the love that connects us. So as the only reason they reach out to mediums is because they love their family and they're trying to let them know they're okay. Otherwise, there's no incentive to just going to get on with whatever they're doing, you know. So um, a death ends a life. It doesn't end a relationship. And just as here, as we still continue to love our loved ones, even though they've died, it's the same for them. And they want to, they want us to know that. They all, I also, um, the, the sixth lesson I share is that it does help to ask, to let them know, it's okay if you're around me, I'm open to the experience. And, you know, if you can show me in some way, that would be great. That is helpful because we do have free will. And they don't railroad it, believe it or not, even though White Feather had a good old go at doing that. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, White Feather didn't seem like he yeah, was going well, away. <laughs> I tell you what, there is, there is um, times when I sat back and after these repeated messages being given to me and then seeing, because we haven't even touched on this, how, how I got into writing and his, you know, prophesizing coming true um there were times when i actually started to think i haven't got any choice at all i don't think we've got any free will and then i realized hang on a minute i don't have to pick that pen up and write i absolutely do have free will because i'm doing this willingly i am not being forced so you know if we ask they can help us if we let them know we want help if we ask for it they know they're invited to help. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that help isn't like physical help. It's supportive emotionally, feeling them around you, you know, just not feeling on your own, I suppose. And the last lesson, just to finish this, the seventh lesson in the book is nobody dies alone, which we've kind of just touched on. Um, but they're the the main, that's what, that's what the dead are dying to teach us. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, and what a great thing. I mean, gosh, that's such a great, thing to to be told you know if, if you're fearing de death and in the process to to know that you're not alone I mean that's the message right and and I think like where religion gets tripped up on this on the spiritual level is a lot of religions want to have just one spiritual level they don't want to see us as spiritual beings as much as God and when you just kind of step back and can say look we're it can all exist <laughs> oh, and, and it does yeah. and you know um 
you know, people say to me, are you religious? And, and I say, which one would I pick? Because so many spirit people from different walks of life have come and made themselves known to me now over the 20 years I've been doing this, working with people. Um, you know, clearly it's not about the religion that you follow. It's about how those religions help you open up to a greater truth. And they can all do that. So I respect all the religions, but I don't feel like I need to follow one. In fact, in the book, I do touch on Christianity because obviously in the West, it's the biggest thing. Right, but, right. You, but, you know, just as I've got more into this, I can really appreciate the scriptures because I can see there's spirit communication going on in there. You yeah. know, the, the messages that I'm saying are happening. You know, Jesus was teaching his disciples to do all these things. He was saying all this and more you will do if you believe, you know. I mean, it it doesn't have to conflict. It really doesn't. I think it's just the way that we are taught and the right. fear that we are given that stops us understanding this. And the frustration for me is it stops everyday people from being in touch with it for themselves and having the same peace of mind that I've got. And you said a very important word, fear. I yes. Mean, that's what we're trying to alleviate. I mean, everyone is scared of, of everything. And I mean, if we can come to a place where we're not fearful living in a state of fear like what does that look like you know well this is it I mean all yeah. of us it's, it's natural to fear of course we fear the unknown I'd be lying if I said I didn't fear the process of dying I mean I don't relish the idea at all just because I have this knowledge doesn't make me want to suddenly jump ship um, <laughs> but you know I mean I think that's some people's concern you know what if we all knew we were going on we'd all just leave you know well it isn't about that. It's about being able to live free of our minds that trap us and limit us. That's the thing. And that's right. what fear does. It limits our experience of life. And that's the whole point is, is you're here for a reason. And you don't want to limit yourself. You want to experience life fully and, and joyfully as much as we can. And when we suffer, which we will do, we're in a physical experience to have something to lean on that gives us strength to let us know that, you know, suffering ends ultimately, this is part of the experience, and that we can grow from it. You know, there is some meaning to life. It's not just completely, as science would have it now, the materialistic viewpoint, you know, completely haphazard. And just, you know, I mean, actually, in the book, I share the statistical uh, chance of you being on this planet is something like four in a trillion I mean it's ridiculous mm -hmm. you know just that in itself is miraculous that you're even alive right there is there is meaning there is purpose you know well so let's talk about love what kind of experiences have you had with with two people <laughs> like in different what dimensions like is there a thing as such as soulmates is there do people find each other in different planes? Like, how, what are your thoughts or experiences with, with love? They're absolutely, oh my goodness, there absolutely is soulmates. Completely, there is soulmates. I've even, I mean, the spirit world even taught me about something called twin flames. Have you ever heard of that? No, let's talk about this. Okay, so I, I tend to be cynical and say, like, no such thing as soulmates. But I think that's just because I don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> Because, like, I mean, then what? I don't know. Okay, let's talk right. about this. Okay, well, sure. this is how it works, you know, because, um, I mean, I don't, like I say, I don't have all the answers. You listen to me. You take what resonates with you. You disregard the rest. I'm learning. I'm human. I'm trying to understand it myself. Uh, but just from 
just from readings, what I've learned is soulmates aren't just people that we love, as in our partners. Soulmates can be friends, they, they can be family members because they're a soulmate because we've been with them before and that we have had a shared journey or shared learning that we have come back, if you like, into this time to readdress, grow through, change. Sometimes soulmates aren't happy endings. Sometimes it's that you've, you've come together to achieve what you needed to and you move on. It's not necessarily that it's all happy ever after, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, a twin flame, however, is, the, is a partnership that it seems that it's almost like one soul to experiencing itself in two different ways. It's like the two of you come together like one soul and you will find each other from any corner of the earth because it's, it, I, the way I imagine it, it's a bit like um, quantum physics, how you can have a particle here and a particle out right out, out in space and what happens to the particle here affects the particle out in space. Time is, you know, and space makes no difference. They're both linked and that's the way I see it, a linked connection there. So I have done readings for for family members who have lost parents and I can feel that that connection is eternal, timeless. It exists. Now, whether you have it in every incarnation, whether you need it in every incarnation, I, I do believe in reincarnation or should I say multiple realities or you know, time is another question. This is it. One. This is like going down the rabbit hole for you, Meredith. As soon I as know. you, my mind is just exploding. <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting here staring out my window. I'm like, who am I seeing out there? Do I have a white feather? <laughs> oh, and you're probably <laughs> thinking, who, who is this guest? Why did I think this was a good way to spend 24 hours? <laughs> no, no, like I, when I came across you, I was like, oh, this is gonna be good because, like, I, I mean, I've had weird experiences and that I can't explain too. And so I, I find it very fascinating. And, and the more I sort of open my mind to even like day to day accepting, you know, expecting more out of this life and, and, and expecting great things to come to me and that kind you know, just the thought process, the, the wavelength that I'm thinking, things change and you can't deny it. No, exactly. You can't. And when you see it playing out in your own life, then you start to have that, like you say, that opening, that insight. Just down to the way I describe mediumship for me even is, you know, when two people, when you walk into a room and two people have had an argument and you walk into that atmosphere and, yeah. and you know, you smell it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, you have a physiological response to nothing when you think about it, you know, but there obviously is something there. There is an atmosphere, an energy, a wave that washes over you that tells you there's something wrong here. And even if they're being nice to you, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife and you feel it in the solar plexus, you just feel you don't feel well. Now, if you said to a scientist, right, there it is, now measure that, they couldn't. And there is this aspect of our reality that is like that. Just like if you walk into a church and you feel the reverence of the church or, you know, I don't know, a derelict building, the coldness, the, the soullessness in it. We are all using this radar that we have all the time. And it's just understanding that and learning to use it. So you're saying you have weird experiences. Well, you know, I mean, as a mother, you learn to use your intuition yeah. as the thing that helps you bring a baby up because there's no communication language wise you've got to do it all 
through sensing what are their needs you know they're trying to communicate to me but I've got to now understand this your 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 psychic ability then goes through the roof right for sure or have you ever had where you know who's on the end of the phone before you answer it my my dad and I for years I would pick up the phone to call him and there he'd be and or I'd call him and he said I just picked up the phone to call you and we may not have talked for three days it it wasn't like we talked every day Exactly. I mean, and also I've had, you know, um, there's a scientist called Dr. Rupert Sheldrake who has done research on the fact that when people are stared at, they know they're being stared at and they turn around and look. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. That happened to me yesterday in the gym. Right, well, there you are. (laughs) I was on the bike and I was like, gosh, who is staring at me? And I just turned around. There's this like old guy just sitting there. And I thought, wait a minute, are you alive? (laughs) Because I knew I was talking to you today. I was like, wait a minute, is he real? Well, you see, this is what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, call on him. That's fine. You, You don't know, do you? You know, it was really funny. The other day I did an interview on the on the BBC. They had me on, on the radio just talking to me about my experiences. And that, it's just so strange. I came out of the building and went to get a coffee. And this gentleman sat next to me. And he he just very carefully broached a conversation. And, you know, obviously I'm a female on my own. He was trying to be respectful. And, and funny enough, he said, I'm from America. I'm traveling here. And... Um, you know, I, I hope you don't mind if I sit down next to you. And we, you know, I said, of course not. Welcome. Come and sit next to me. You know, welcome to our country. I hope you're having a good time. And um, I asked his name and he said, well, I'm Evan from heaven. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> I like, mean, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's that all about? You know, oh <laughs> but it's well, just you know, it's funny, though, because I have. So one of the weird experience I, experiences I always have is anytime I go somewhere, People are right next to me. We can, I can be in an empty auditorium with a hundred chairs and whoever will come sit right next to me. <laughs> and, and we can be going into a restaurant and the room's empty, but someone will sit right next to me. And half the time I, I have to, if I'm alone, I have to ask myself like, this can't be real. Like this, this whole room is empty. Why are they, is this person? <laughs> it became a joke with my husband and I, and years and years ago, he was sitting on an airplane and he was telling, he got to talk into the lady next to him and he was, I don't know what they were talking. It just went really quick to me. And, um, he said, yeah, my wife, she just sits down and people sit right next to her and people talk to her and everyone tells her her se- their secrets. And the woman said, well, she's an open. And he's like, what does that mean? And, and so we always had this laughter that I have this portal and that people come to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it does not sound crazy to me. I would say you're probably an empath. You're probably, uh, yes, you're, for sure. you're, Right, there you are. Yes, so you're I, no, yeah, t- I absorb the energy of the space around me, right? There you are. So I can yeah. talk to you. And actually, the more that I'm talking to you, the more I'm realizing you do understand what I'm talking about because you're having your own experiences of, of that non-physical dimension, which we call spirit. You know, your energy is comfortable. And for whatever reason, you've come here probably to communicate, to help other people feel comfortable, to learn from you. And as they come into your space, they just 
they don't they don't feel repelled <laughs> you know which is a good thing i guess I it's mean... a good thing yeah although you could ask you know you could set the thought now next time if you see someone come in and you want some private space you know you could actually just say please don't sit there you know i can't <laughs> see if it though works. i can't because i no, i mean this... in your mind don't say it vocally oh. i'm saying put the thought out there before they sit down <laughs> and see if you put if your energy changes and they move away you no. know see i've tried that a few times and then oh. I, feel, I feel like they sit in my lap <laughs> they get closer when I'm like no 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 no. here they come closer and closer but I've always felt that if someone needs to to saddle up to me that there's a reason I'm like if they feel like they got to sit right next to me there must be a reason and a lot of times it seems that there is absolutely interesting yeah they've got something to learn from you or you from them I don't I mean I I look at life differently now and I try and go with those with the flow of things in that way too you know and I think for the people that feel like oh this is baloney this is hogwash like what is the harm and this has always been I, I think it was John Locke when I was in philosophy class it was like well if you want to believe in God or, and this is super paraphrased because I'm I just don't have the memory for it but you know if you want to believe in God or don't want to believe in God what's the harm in believing like, you, you know, you might as well err on the side of having an open mind. And so to me, this spiritual dimension, this talk, what is the harm in having an open mind about it? And just opening your heart like, okay, maybe there is other energy. What, what would happen if I spent a week just opening my heart to it? And also, even more than that, actually, what has happened, and there is, there are people that are absolute materialists in their, in their ideas who have studied this kind of you know, phenomena and what mediums are saying, or not just mediums, but, you know, spirituality, God, the whole thing. What they're saying is that the, that humans have evolved to have a spiritual outlook. It actually helps them survive. Mm-hmm. You you are not insane. Your brain has evolved to have this uh, um, understanding, experience, the imagination, to have these, un- you know, faith, belief, and all of that, it helps you survive. So even if you would just want to look at it at that base level, I think it's more than that. But if you just want to take it at that level that, you know, my brain has evolved to have these ideas to help me survive, you know, that's good enough in itself. I think the harm, I think the harm comes or people perceive the harm to be from, as we were saying yes, uh, uh, yesterday, earlier, as you, <laughs> you, as we were saying, that some people have been taught that it's evil, that it's demonic, that there is something to fear, which is not true. And other people have been taught that they will be ripped off, that they, that we are, you know, trying to be fraudulent and take their money and, you know, do them like a kipper. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think people are frightened of those two things. But once you can get rid of that idea, exactly, there, the the letters that I have had the emails, the messages telling me, please don't stop doing what you're doing. You have transformed my life. You've given me hope. I can now live again. You know, lots and lots of people, when a loved one dies, they get stuck in their grief because they believe that if they move on with their lives, they are dishonoring their loved one. They are, you know, their loved one hasn't had the opportunity to live. And why should they? There's a guilt they feel. They feel that they, you know, if they move on and meet other people, that they are dishonoring their memory. 
And what a session, a good session with a medium, we can cover that, but what, you know, what genuine mediumship looks like when it's conducted with a high level of, you know, integrity, what it does for people is free them up emotionally to live again. That, you cannot underestimate the benefit of that. You know, in, in my mind, that's what it's all about, you know. Like you say, if it helps you, right? That, then what is the harm? Right. I lost my grandmother three, three and a half years ago. And of course, of course, I miss her. But I have never felt like she's been gone. Right. Um, I've, I've missed her physical presence. But I, I, she has not left me. I mean, I just am so convinced. I, I talk to her. I, I just, I've never felt the loss of her. Because I've just always felt like she was still with me. And it's always, it's been this weird, and I don't know if it was because I was with her when she passed away. My mom and I were both with her, um, if, if there's any connection there. But um, I do feel a peace about it that I, that I don't know I would feel if I wasn't there when she had passed away. But um, I, I definitely believe that there can be peace around it because I feel it. Absolutely. And um, you know, that knowing, that inner knowing, gnosis, is, is, it has a name. It's called noetic. It's where you, beyond logical thinking, you, in your inner self, you just know something. And that's where peace lies. Mm -hmm. When you get beyond the thinking and into the beingness of it being with your grandmother feeling the peace of her passing knowing she's okay and that she is with you like you say you're not alone I can tell you that everybody that ever comes to sit with me tells me that they still send their they either speak out loud or they still send their thoughts out to their loved ones you know it's it is something that we do and I don't know why we should feel the shame around it in the same in the way that we do, other than we've kind of been taught that, you know, it's not okay, that right. we're somehow crazy or deluded. And, and on that note, in the book, I, I share the work of um, a psychologist known as Dr. Chris Rowe. He's in the UK. And he has studied, a, he has a lab set up in the UK studying mediumship and mediumship readings and the psychology behind it because he's a psychologist and it's fascinating the angle he takes because he has found that mediums and I suppose spiritualists the people that believe in the afterlife even though a medium if you like um, from a psychology level could be sectioned for hearing voices or feeling that they can sense invisible people around them even though on paper they could be deemed as mentally unstable the reality is that they come out more well happier and in a healthier state of mental well-being than even his own psychology students who have been working on themselves so you know there is benefit to having these ideas yeah well I love it Claire I could obviously talk forever with you I, I just still have so many questions but this is this has been very enlightening and I definitely look forward to your book what the dead are dying to teach us so one final question what do you do on a daily basis that makes your 24 hours great what is what is a practice or or a, a habit or a thought that that contributes to your best 24 hours 
Well, I often tell myself to seize the day as I get up in the morning mm -hmm. so I don't waste a moment. So my practice is to, even if I'm sitting in meditation, which I do make a daily practice for myself, is to be here now, absorb it all and seize the day, no matter what I'm doing. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Claire. Thank you so much for having me on.